Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing that's just feeding your greed. Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Minimalist Podcast, where we discuss what it means to live a meaningful life with less. My name is Joshua Fields Milburn. And I'm Ryan Nicodemus, and together we are the Minimalists. Welcome to episode number 38. Hey, Ryan, the holiday shopping season is yeah. near. Yeah. Re- remember when it was just the holiday season, and now we just like we wedged this word in the middle, the holiday shopping season. So you and I we used to work in retail for for a very long time. So uh, when I turned 18, I, I left the old neighborhood, went and got a sales job and, and started selling cell phones and home internet service and, and landline phones and security systems. And what else did we sell? Uh, basically telecom. How many yeah. pro- we had like 100 products we sold or something. Yeah, like 80 we, something products. we were responsible for 29 different metrics. 29, so I don't, know, I don't know what the... How many products we were actually selling, but um, we eventually we were climbing the corporate ladder. We both managed a considerable amount of retail stores you throughout remember, our twenties. Remember on Black Friday how we had had to get up at like two a.m. Right, it's even worse Every now. We, I, single Black Friday, two a.m., so we could go out and hand out donuts and coffee and flyers. Yes, yeah. God, and Thanksgiving was miserable during those days because <laughs> like I had to be in bed by six o'clock and like dinner wasn't getting served until six o'clock. Oh, and not only do we have to get up at two a.m. and start handing stuff out at three thirty a.m. because back then all of these doorbuster sales, right. as they're called, Golly. all these doorbuster sales, um, they they started at five a.m. But now they're starting. It's it's even it's way worse, Ryan. Um, I. Uh, Beck and I were trying to buy a washer and dryer recently, and we went to um, like Home Depot and, and tried to figure out what the price was. And he, and he, this was back in October. He said, "If you come in on November second, we're having a Black Friday sale." <laughs> and I, I just, genius. I just sort of looked at him and blinked. Like, what do you mean you're having a Black Friday sale on on November second? He's like, yeah, that's when all the, the Black Friday sales start. And so a few years ago, after we had left the, the corporate world, I, I remember it was it, – we had Black Friday starting on Thanksgiving in some places like Walmart. and Yeah, like and they so just stayed open. They, they, or they would open – they would clo- close. Right, for like on, an hour. <laughs> on, on Thanksgiving Day, and then they'd open up at 6 p.m. or 5 p.m. or 2 p.m. or whatever yeah. on Thanksgiving Day. And I remember growing up um, – my my aunts and uncles, who were much more well off than than we were, they weren't rich, but they were certainly middle class, upper middle class. They would do the the Black Friday thing. They would wait in line all uh, all morning to get the special deal at the outlet malls or at the shopping mall or at Target or wherever. And that has continued to be that that has really continued to be this trend. But it's become more and more pervasive and more and more pernicious. Now, yeah. Like I said, you're having Black Friday sale. The, the term Black Friday has become has been rendered essentially uh, meaningless when it, your Black Friday is at the beginning of 
of uh, uh, November. It's like it's like saying Christmas in July. It, it literally means nothing at some point. And so we have. That's funny. My friends and I we celebrate Christmas in August. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> it's an, it's like a total satire. <laughs> right, right. And, and but but of course. The Home Depot or wherever, it, they're not doing Black Friday as a satire. Right. They're trying no, to it's... preemptively sell you some stuff. So Black Friday made. is now starting at the beginning of November. Yeah. I, I, well, I don't even know what that means. I mean, you can call it whatever. But yeah. it started – it was actually – it was November 2nd, which was a Wednesday, by the way. So Black Friday for them was Wednesday, November 2nd. Uh, and then they extended throughout the month. Uh, But anyway, uh, Ryan and I have an essay about Black Friday. It's at our website, theminimalists.com slash black. We'll put a link to that in the show notes. But I'd like to read that to you because we're recording this the the week before Black Friday, but it will post just two days or three days before Black Friday. So I'd like to read this essay to you. It's called, Let's Talk About Black Friday. Here we are in the middle of what is supposedly the most joyous time of year, the holiday season, and yet for most of us, it's also the most stressful time of year. At some point, Santa Claus turned corporate, and the holiday season transformed into the holiday shopping season. Shopping. This one word, although birthed from great intentions, has fundamentally changed our outlook from blissful to grim, from jolly to anxious, from celebrating Christmas to surviving the holidays. It's upsetting, and with consumption's vicious inertia, it seems there's no way for us to exit the speeding train of consumerism. This Friday is the busiest shopping day of the year, Black Friday. And there's a parenthesis here. Boxing Day is the overseas equivalent. Retailers prepare months in advance for this dark day, preparation that's meant to stimulate our insatiable desire to consume. Doorbuster sales, new products, giant newspaper ads, TV, radio, billboards, sale, 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 early bird specials, one day only, get the best deal, act now, while supplies last. See store for details. But as shiny as its facade may be, The pernicious aspects of Black Friday are not few. The pandemonium that takes place on this day is perhaps a broader metaphor for our culture as a whole, our consumer culture. On this day, we consume gluttonously without regard for the harm we're inflicting on ourselves. On this day, greed becomes ravenous. On this day, we live without real meaning, buying gifts to fill a void we can't fill with material possessions. Perhaps our friend Stephen said it best. Black Friday is the day we trample people for things we don't need, the day after being thankful for what we have. Sadly, we participate in this insanity in the name of a holiday, as if buying gifts was an ideal way to celebrate Christmas But thankfully, we have options. Instead of embracing Black Friday, you can refuse to buy material possessions for people to display your love. Rather, you can showcase your love, caring, and affection through daily actions. Every day, not just the holidays. If you want to give gifts, why not gift an experience? A nice meal, tickets to a concert, a sunset on the beach. After all, the best, most loving gift you can give someone 
is your time and undivided attention. Presence is the best present. Or, if that doesn't work, maybe you can buy everyone on your Christmas list a giant trash can so they can throw away all the presents they received but didn't ask for. Will you join us? Will you opt out of Black Friday? If not, why not? So uh, you can find that essay on our website. If you want to, if you find value value in it, you can re-gift it to a, a friend or family member. Now is the appropriate time to do that. Now let me throw this out there, man, because uh-huh. I know that someone's thinking this right now. They're like, yeah, but there was that one time on Black Friday when I went and got that insulin that was on sale that I couldn't afford uh, otherwise. I mean, obviously, you're not going to go buy insulin on Black Friday. You might now, actually. I mean, there, there may be the, the, <laughs> Jesus, the man. Walgreens. It may have, it may have, it may have uh, come to that. Well, I, I guess, like, what would you say to someone who was like, who, who said something like that? Yeah, I mean, I, I would say that at face value, generally the supposed sales that occur on Black Friday, by and large, are a loss-leading mechanism for retailers to get you to spend more money. Mm. And the actual cost of the good goes far beyond the price tag. The people who you know, we used to go hand out coffee and donuts to at Target, uh, yeah, at 3 a.m. at Target right. or something to try to get the, to lure them to our retail stores uh, <laughs> at some point during the day. So think about this. So many of them had been standing there since midnight. They're camped out, literally tents. Oh yeah, yeah. Sleeping, sleeping bags. bags. Yeah, it was crazy. So, so they're spending, let's call it, 12 hours uh, in total of, of their shopping time. of their time. How much is your time worth? Yeah. And 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 how much is your attention? worth? How much is the stress and anxiety worth? And only you can determine that. And if you don't find it stressful or anxiety producing or crazy making like I do these days, then maybe the, the cost is actually less for you on mm-hmm. some of those days. But for most of us, the, the, the stress and, and the overwhelm of this supposed sale, doorbuster sale, it, it ends up costing us a lot more than, than the price tag. So I would just say, Keep that in mind when when you're when you're thinking about doing the the Black Friday thing. Yeah, I'm not saying you you can't do it. You don't need our permission to do anything. <laughs> of course. What I'm saying is maybe rethink that that and make sure it's the best use of your time and yeah. attention. That's what I would say too. The only thing I think I would add is keep in mind anyone out there who's like, you know what, uh, I'd love to not participate in Black Friday, but you know, there's this whatever that I really need to get and it's half off. Uh, there's only you know a limited amount of them. There's only ten of them. I got to do it. And let's say that someone decides that yes, it is worth my time to wait in line for twelve hours. Keep in mind that those products are made of lesser. A lot of the times they're made of lesser qu- quality uh, materials. So like you get a TV for a hundred bucks, and there's only twenty of them. Well, that's because they had specifically twenty uh, TVs shipped to their store with lesser made material or with with lesser. Uh, quality materials that they're selling to you, um, and they can afford to give it to you at a hundred bucks because it's made with cheap materials. You're getting the Black Friday dumbed down version. Of exactly. The thing. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree. So, so today, Ryan, we're going to talk. This isn't just about the holidays. We're going to talk about gift giving in general. We've got some questions to to answer. So, wait, wait, wait. Before before we like get into it, yeah, Sean, can you like give us some like nice like cheery holiday music? Let's set the let's set the mood like something with bells.
Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. All right, our first voicemail question is from Chelsea in one of my favorite cities in the world, Los Angeles, California. So my question is about gifts, um, specifically for things where gifts are the expectation, um, weddings, baby showers, uh, bachelorette parties, those types of things. Um, any thoughts on types of gifts or, um, I don't know, how you guys handle those? Thanks. Well, I don't know. You know, it's funny. Baby showers and weddings, those are kind of like the easiest things for me to gift for. Why is that? Because usually people are registered. Uh, they, they, they've given you an outline. Yeah, they're like, here's what I need. Right. And like, I'm not, I'm not going to you know, tell people what they do or don't need because I'm sure out of all the gifts I have purchased for people who run registries, like I've probably purchased them something that you know, maybe they didn't necessarily need, but they think they need it and they have the right to think that. So, you know, it's funny you say that at my wedding, uh, I was married once upon a time and, and I don't know if you recall this, but we, we were registered at all the normal places and I say normal in air quotes here, bed, bath and beyond and target or wherever. And, uh, we didn't have a bread maker on our list at all, but I got three bread makers. (laughs) Okay, so that's one piece of advice is don't buy gifts off the registry. (laughs) Yeah, but what you were just saying really, that's what reminded me of it. You said, I'm not going to tell other people what they need. But apparently three people really thought I needed an expensive bread maker. And um, yeah, we used one of them one time. (laughs) (laughs) What did you do with the other ones? Did Uh, you return them or exchange them? We made them Christmas tree ornaments. They were really big. (laughs) Genius. Thanks. <laughs> what to do with your unwanted gifts? Make them Christmas tree ornaments. Right. Oh my goodness. No, no. I uh I know I, I I guess I'll just reiterate. I think weddings and baby showers are really easy to to gift for when they're under registries. You know, if they're not under registries, then cash is totally appropriate at a wedding. Like when I got married, I was married once upon a time too, but I was way smarter than you. I got married right out of high school, Josh. Yeah, at 18. Yeah. Man. Good grief. You're like enlisting in marriage. <laughs> but I remember when we got married, it was awesome. And like we were going on our honeymoon like right after the wedding and I, g- I got a bunch of cards. I was not expecting cash. Like I didn't even think about that really. Uh-huh. And, you know, as an 18-year-old, I didn't really have a lot of experience with weddings. And, uh, dude, we got like 600 bucks in cash. And it was awesome for our honeymoon. Like it really helped us out. So, you know, I think I think uh, there is an appropriate time to give cash or gift cards as well. It's kind of generic. But you know, I think it can add a lot of value. I would have certainly preferred cash to the bread makers. And I think, I think that's true, especially if, if you uh, have someone, you know, who's young and they have a, a tight budget or whatever, you can, you can really help add value to their lives with some extra cash for sure. Uh, a few things that I, I will say uh, to Chelsea. One is you talked about expectations. That word came out, the expectation of, of buying gifts for these things. Uh, I, I would... I would start by maybe changing expectations, and, and and you maybe can't always do that for a baby shower or for a wedding, but for other holidays, you can start to change expectations over time. In fact, I think now is the best and worst time to start talking about gift giving because we're already in the throes of this holiday shopping season. If you If you don't want any gifts for Christmas, 
the best for time for you to set that expectation is back in February. Yeah, doing it now is kind of too late, right? Yeah, it's it's you have to plant the seed then, right? right. Or the the old apothem is you want to kill Godzilla when when it's a baby, not when it's taking over the city. Right. And right now, at the holiday shopping season, Godzilla is trampling our city. And so uh, maybe maybe this year it's just about scaling back a little bit, and and next year. Uh, as holidays approach, now is a good time to set expectations for, say, Valentine's Day or what are the other Hallmark holidays? Sweetest Day, that, that's a thing. Um, and, and any of these other holidays where they're obligatory gift-giving days. We, we feel obligated. Oh, uh, honey, it's, uh, it's February 14th, and so I bought you this shiny thing, and what shiny thing did you get from me? And uh, this, let me compare these so I can show you how much I love you compared to how much you love me. We've commodified love in a way. What is Swedish Day? Sweet. <laughs> it's where you buy those little sugary candies of Swedish fish. <laughs> oh, okay. They're delicious. <laughs> Just kidding. Don't do that, kids. Yep. They're full of sugar and they're bad for you. Uh, which reminds me, so, so because we've commodified love, I, I want to read an essay from the gift-giving chapter in our book, Essential. And so, uh, Chelsea, I don't want you to feel like we're selling you something, so I'm going to give you a copy of our book, Essential, uh, either the print version or the ebook version, whichever you'd prefer. You can, of course, once it's done, re-gift it, or we'll give you, uh, we, it's now an audiobook as well, a six-hour audiobook on Audible and iTunes. Uh, Sean, if you still have any codes left, maybe we can give her a code for for a download on, on Audible for free if she'd prefer that. Man, regifted books make a great stocking stuffer. Uh, indeed. Let's talk about sto- stocking sto- stuffers in a minute. First, I want to read this essay. It's called The Commodification of Love. There's always another holiday lurking somewhere around the corner. Valentine's Day, Mother's Day, Sweetest Day, Birthdays, Christmas. We've programmed ourselves to give and receive gifts on these and many other holidays to show our love for one another. We've been told gift-giving is one of our, quote, love languages. This, of course, is ridiculous. And yet, we treat it as gospel. I love you. See, here's this expensive, shiny thing I bought you. Gift-giving is not a love language any more than pig Latin is a romance language. Rather, gift-giving is a destructive cultural imperative in our society, and we've bought it, literally, hook, line, and sinker. We've become consumers of love. The grotesque idea that we can somehow commodify love is nauseating. Often we give gifts to show our love because we are troubled by real love. Buying diamonds is not evidence of everlasting devotion, commitment, trust, understanding. These are indications of devotion. Gift-giving is, by definition, transactional. But love is not a transaction. Love is transcendent. It transcends language and material possessions and can be shown only by our thoughts, actions, and intentions. Perhaps Jonathan Franzen said it best. Love is about bottomless empathy, born out of the heart's revelation that another person is every bit as real as you are. To love a specific person and to identify with his or her struggles and joys as if they are your own, you have to surrender some of yourself. This doesn't mean there's something necessarily wrong with buying a gift for someone. 
But don't fool yourself by associating that gift with love. Love doesn't work that way. So, Ryan, let's talk about that for a minute because I know I, I will say this sometimes at our live events that, that gift-giving is not a love language any more than pig Latin is a romance language. And you really piss a lot of people oh off. Oh, my. But <laughs> it is one of my love languages. Well, let me say this. It's the intention that, that really matters behind this. What I, what, I, what I mean by that is the literal sense of giving a shiny widget doesn't mean I love you. Mm-hmm. It means I can afford to give you a shiny widget, mm-hmm. right? Now, the intentionality behind the gift giving, really what we're saying when I, when I give you something, Ryan, is I think this will add value to your life in some way. That, to me, is the real love language. Adding value to other people, contributing is the love language. Amen. And sometimes a gift can represent that, but it doesn't necessarily represent that. And that, that's really what I want to get across with that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, uh, we've been told and we've heard in our society, you know, money uh, doesn't, you know, equal happiness. And I would, you know, add to that money doesn't equal love. Yes. And, it, and, and it's not, uh, you know, to your point, it is the intention. It's not like, oh, well, here's... Look, I can buy you this. I love you, and I'm going to ignore you the rest of the year uh, because I've shown my love through this big, expensive gift. Right. I mean, ask any um, anyone who was raised uh, like with really rich parents, and the parents just tried to buy them stuff all the time but never s- spent any time with them, never mm-hmm. was present with their children, uh, instead tried to... Uh, it replaced their presence with a bunch of presents. <laughs> mm-hmm. Indeed. And uh, I've never met anyone who was who was happy living in a situation like that. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I totally agree, man. I, our, our, our obligation to give a gift on these holidays has really seeped into this, become an expectation, as Chelsea said. And so the first thing I would do is try to set new expectations, plant those seeds early on, months and months before the actual holiday or obligatory gift-giving day, birthday, whatever, but then slowly uh, water that seed throughout the year and let people know. But then also it's important not to just say no gifts because because the expectation has been set, but maybe change the expectation to to something different. What, What can you gift? And so... We, we talked briefly about gifting experiences, and we'll, we'll talk more about that. We have a question about that a little bit later, so we can get deeper on, on what kind of experiences you can gift, but also gifting consumables. I, I find, for me, is something that I, I, I love to do. If, if there is a, a expectation for a physical gift, here's a really great bag of coffee from one of my favorite roasters in the country, whether it's, it's Hart or Dogwood or Woodboro or, or Middle State, all of these different coffee roasters. Sean, you can put those four in the show notes. Where's uh, Heart out of? I've never heard of Heart. Oh, man, I've been ordering a ton of Heart. I think they're out of Portland. Ah. Yeah, they, they may be out of Seattle, but they, they could be out of Portland. Uh, we've been carrying a lot of, of their stuff down at our, our coffee shop down in, in St. Pete lately, and um, I've really enjoyed it. This Kenya that out, is out recently. So I will give I will give that as a holiday. because I can't wait. <laughs> hint hint <laughs> here's here's what here, here's what i'll do though like i especially for people who aren't aren't 
as familiar with really high quality coffee. You give them that coffee. I remember you gave your grandma some coffee from Dogwood once, and she thought it was like it changed her life yeah, uh, that day. Good. And and so it's a really nice surprise. There could be a really great bottle of wine or or some really high end chocolate, like really good chocolate that you can't get at a local store, but you have to order. Um, what's the place that I, I I got some from recently? It was a hundred percent dark. Uh, and dude, that stuff is like, like crumbles. Like it comes in like a special, it's I mean, it, packaging. It, I think it's like, called so it doesn't fr- fr- fruitition. Uh, anyway, we'll find it and I'll put it in the show notes. Uh, the one that I got recently, uh, anyway, uh, some really high, high end quality chocolate from, you know, that's, it, it's artisanal or whatever they're calling it. Uh, you just have one little piece of it and it's, it's amazing. It, it totally changes your perspective. It, it, it I was uh, at a Rob Bell event recently. He was talking about uh, this chocolatier who was creating real chocolate like that. And yeah, her, her biggest insult was when he's like, well, you know, I've been trying, you know, whatever, the Godiva or whatever. And she goes, those are just confections. <laughs> and, like, that was, like, the biggest insult in that world. And so, like, I, I think that is a metaphor for many of the gifts we buy is quite often they're just confections. Mm. They're, 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 they're filled with supposed, you know, flavor, but it's just, you know, this nonsense sweetener that doesn't actually add anything to our lives. So think about gifts. If you're going to give a gift, what kind of gifts can add value to other people's lives? I can also tell you sometimes you can eschew expectations altogether. All you don't have to conform to other people's expectations. I was just at a wedding uh, last month or maybe two months ago, and it was uh, my partner, Bex. Her, her brother got married. So we were back in Minnesota, and I didn't buy a a wedding gift at all. My God, I know, right? You're horrible. Uh, and, and guess what? It was okay, but I did give the gift of you know flying out there, flying all three of us out there, me, Bex, and and Ella, and and being there, being mm. ac- actually being present and congratulating them, and 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 just being grateful for our time together. And I think that was that was important, especially since I don't you know I don't do weddings at all. Like there are two people I would ever go to a wedding for, and and Becca's one of them, and 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 so for me it was about not worrying about the expectations that they had, but letting people know what my expectations are as well. Not in a selfish way, but in a way that says here are my values, and I don't value gift giving in the same way, but I do I do value contributing. Yeah, much more than I do giving you a shiny bread maker. <laughs> I could have bought them a bread maker. I don't know. And I still don't, I don't, if I would have had one, I could have re-gifted it. <laughs> giving gifts, ironically, is still a bad way to give gifts, Josh. I, I agree with that. So, Chelsea, I hope you enjoy uh, that copy of Essential Essays by the Minimalists. Oh, there's another essay in there, too. I, I'm not going to read it now. We don't have time. But it, it's called uh, The Worst Thing That Could Happen. And it really talks about changing expectations and asking yourself, what's the worst thing that could happen if you were to change expectations? And what's the best thing that could happen? So I think you'll find some value in in that essay and also the entire gift-giving chapter of that book. Our next question is from Heather in Portland, Oregon. My question is about gift-giving. I know you've previously addressed how a minimalist can discuss gift receiving with friends and family, but I've never heard you talk about giving gifts to others. I know you don't encourage proselytizing, probably not even through your choice of gifts to others, but 
Could you give an example of actual gifts that you have given at Christmas or weddings or something like that? I'm just curious. Thank you. Okay, so we already touched on this a little bit about obligatory gift-giving holidays, Ryan. And one of the things I really enjoy doing is giving gifts on a day that is not a traditional day that you feel obligated to give a gift. So instead of, well, today is December 25th, so I bought you these presents. I've placed them under this dying tree, and and now you can open them. Or, oh, you were born on this day 35 years ago, so here is a, a gift. Uh, uh, I like to give a gift just because, hey, today is November 16th. I got you this thing. But is it a holiday? Did I forget our anniversary? Really? No, I just got it because I care about you, and I think it will add value about your life and, or to your life. And so because I care about you, one of the things I do want to do is contribute to you, and I think you'd get value from this. And so uh, first thing I would say is try to set that expectation of gift-giving on non-obligatory days because they mean so much more. Because if we're expecting a gift on December 25th, it's not going to necessarily mean as much. Do you remember when I remember when I was uh, married and I would get like uh, you probably remember this because I used to complain about it. Like I'd want a new pair of boots or something, and then I I'd have to wait months to get them. <laughs> like they'd be sitting away hidden in your house somewhere, right? Because I'd have to give the hint to Carrie and say, "Hey, you know, I I um I really want this pair of boots," and and you know, of course, like. We had shared finances, so effectively she was using our money or my money. <laughs> like, you see, to, like you see it ding on your credit card. <laughs> right, right. And, and all of a sudden it's like, okay, now I'm waiting for the thing I want because we have to wait till this obligatory day. Now, I, I will tell you, I think there's, there's benefit in waiting in general sure. and, and being conscious about the, the decisions we make. But waiting for an arbitrary date to receive that that gift actually takes the entire meaning out of the holiday. So if you're if you're celebrating the holiday because it's a you know, it's part of your your faith based tradition, or just because you are nostalgic for the the secular version of of Christmas, you know, the, that tradition. Either way, it, it's a positive experience that doesn't require. Uh, that of exchanging gifts to still have a, a positive experience. In fact, sometimes the gift giving can sort of uh, uh, dampen the the overall experience. Mm. So I, I don't I don't know what you think about that in terms of obligatory days. But I, I can think uh, on your birthday this year, Ryan, we 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 did this uh, um, radio lab thing. So Jad Abumrad, oh, yeah. he came out to Missoula, Montana, of all places, and had a uh, an hour long sort of Radio Lab presentation. For those of you who aren't familiar, Radio Lab's a really popular podcast and radio show on NPR. He came out here and did an hour-long thing, and it just happened to be on your birthday, but we would have done that any other right. day of the week as well. It just happened to be on, on your 35th birthday, and, and it wasn't about like, well, here's this thing that is a, a, a birthday gift. It's like, no, we have an experience together regardless of of the day. And if it happens to fall on October 23rd or December 25th, that's fine too. Yeah. Um, I heard question, Heather's question made me think, uh, like I was trying to remember the last time I gave Christmas gifts. And I did give some last Christmas. Um, I gave four people gifts. My mother, who uh, I gave her some cash because that's what she needed. Like I knew she needed cash. Actually, my mom would take cash any day. Of the year, <laughs> but you know, birthdays are important to her. Mother's Day, Mother's Day is important to her. You know, I'll send her flowers on that day because you know, at the end, at the end of the day, like I'm not trying to 
like change the way people view holidays as much as make sure you know that that they are looking at them more deliberately uh-huh. and uh with my mom you know i'm not going to convince her that she shouldn't get flowers on mother's day so i, I will do something like that um but certainly i'm not going to go buy her a bread maker right um right but you don't you also don't feel it's interesting you don't feel that expectation for yourself either you're not I've never seen you expect to get a. I oh, mean, no. you and I have been best friends for 25 years. I don't think you've ever purchased a gift from me. But you know, <laughs> I don't have that expectation, right? right? And also, I mean, I think it's interesting. Maybe you could talk about this. So you grew up Jehovah's Witness, mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you don't do holidays as a Jehovah's Witness, right? Yeah. And and so you have, from a very young age, been sort of programmed to not. Well, uh, when mom and dad split up, I mean, my mom did start celebrating Christmas, right? Um. You know, it was it was fun. Like I'm not gonna say like as a kid, like oh it was it was a horrible day every you know every Christmas. Um, I mean, if anybody, if if if, if there was a reason why it was horrible, is because my you know stepdad was acting like a jerk mm-hmm. <laughs> on Christmas Day. Sure. Um, but uh, but you know, regardless, um, I did look forward to the presents. But I will say that when my mom would get me something randomly, yeah, not on Christmas Day. Like that was way more exciting to me. Mm. Yeah, because it was like you know she come up from the store and uh, you know she's got a candy bar for me or something. Like to me, like that surprise was more. It was a more meaningful experience than okay today's the day I get showered with gifts. Don't, right. th- don't get me wrong, though. I still enjoy Christmas. Right. Um, well, I think maybe what we enjoy. So I'm going to sort of backtrack on what I've already said through this whole episode so far is. I think part of the, the thing that's so exciting about a obligatory gift giving day is the anticipation more than the the actual receiving yeah. of of the thing. Yeah. Right. Um, you're you're. Yeah, I remember like doing the little. We didn't do a lot of gifts growing up. We just didn't have any money. But like my mom always got us something for sure, and, and worked really hard to try to get us something. And, and we had this little this little calendar where you'd count down the days. You'd, like, move Santa Claus one day closer to the 25th or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and of, all, of all the things that I remember from growing up and, and the Christmas season, it was much more about the that experience of anticipating the holiday. I don't remember a single gift I got growing up, mm-hmm. honestly. I remember Christmas trees we had, and I remember that little calendar that we would use to advance the days forward. So, so you can anticipate that holiday, and the gift doesn't necessarily matter nearly as much. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then the other, let's see, the other people I gave gifts to last Christmas, uh, my two nieces. So my mom called me up specifically, and she was like, hey, look, um, you know, your nieces uh, are in really, like, they're not in a good spot right now. And it would really mean a lot to them if you got them Christmas gifts. And uh, I was totally am- amicable to do that. I got my uh, one niece um it was just like some horses, like just like a little horse set that she could play they with. They weren't real horses, right? They were not real horses, yeah. Sorry, <laughs> sure. little little toy horses, sorry. Sure. I, got our, I got our horses. Seven horses. <laughs> what, that's, that's what you're supposed to give the kids, right? Seven horses. No, it was like a... <laughs> we were just talking about being out of touch on our last podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I spent my life savings on these horses on these, for you. Right. They're all malnourished. <laughs> But, uh, you know, but that gift, uh, I think it was like a, you know, 16-piece set with, like, horses and, like, the little fence in the barn. And as I'm getting it, I'm like, God, there's, like, 16 little, like, pieces that I'm going to give my little cousin, but or my little niece. But, like, I knew that she didn't ha- – she doesn't have a lot. She doesn't have a ton of toys. And then my other niece, I got her um, 
It's like some kind of like rainbow or like star. Like it did like a rainbow um, across the ceiling. It was a light, mm-hmm. or uh, like it would do like um, you know s- stars, like you know different, like do- a couple different sceneries. That was kind of cool. But I can tell you, like those gifts meant a lot to those two little girls, mm-hmm. and uh, it was it was you know I feel very good about giving those. And then Mariah uh, gave her a gift last Christmas. Um, basically, I got her a card. That was like, hey, Merry Christmas. I'm taking you to this uh, concert. And um, I think the concert was in like April. Yeah, it was April. Nice. So it was like four months away. But um, I know that Mariah likes surprises, and she doesn't expect me to get her anything on Christmas. Right. Um, uh, but last Christmas, I you know saw an opportunity where I was like, oh, I could totally you know, surprise her with something, and I know she's not expecting anything. So, I mean, you know, I guess to your point of giving, you know, experiences or or consumables that's usually what i try to do um there are some you know with my two little nieces like there are some instances where i will get someone like a physical possession but it's it's really far and few between well let's talk about experiences real quick there's an essay on our website very short one called gift experiences not stuff and we'll put it in the show notes as well but you can share this with some folks if you like if you like to give them the hint and then maybe forward it on with maybe an experience you'd like. So we could talk about some experiences here as well. But here's the essay. It's called Gift Experiences, Not Stuff. Here's an idea. What if you decided to give only experiences this year? How much more meaningful will your holidays be? Consider these experiences. Concert tickets, a home-cooked meal, tickets to a play or a musical, breakfast in bed, a back rub, a foot rub, a full body massage a holiday parade, walking or driving somewhere without a plan, spending an evening talking with no distractions, making out under mistletoe. Is that why you brought this mistletoe here, Ryan? (laughs) No. I was wondering why you're wearing the mistletoe hat. Um, Visiting a festival of lights, cutting down a Christmas tree. Uh, uh, Ella and Becca and I did that last year, and it was great. You get a little $5 permit. To cut down a Christmas tree here in Montana, and you spend a day basically Christmas tree hunting, which is pretty cool. Uh, what else here? Watching a sunrise, skiing, snowboarding. Please don't give me snowboarding for Christmas. <laughs> a sledding, dancing, taking your children to a petting zoo. Uh, that was a, a reader's recommendation. I personally don't recommend that uh, uh, for for my own ethical reasons. Uh, making snow angels, making a bunch of hot apple cider. Taking a vacation together, watching a wintertime sunset. What other experiences can you give to someone you care about? Your experiences build and strengthen the bond between you and the people you care about. Don't you think you'd find more value in in these experiences than in material gifts? Don't you think your loved ones will find more value too? There's only one way to find out. Ryan, let's talk about some experiences real quick. Uh, a few things I've done. I mentioned the Christmas tree thing. That was really fun. Uh, the petting zoo thing, I'm, I'm cool with that if it's like a local farm or something like that. I don't like big corporate zoos and SeaWorld kind of things. But, uh, you know, uh, if I can take Ella somewhere to go pet a goat, I'm totally cool with that uh, while the goat eats her coat. Um, uh, what else? What else? What else? Oh, a cabin in the middle of nowhere. So we live in Montana, but we live in the big city where there's 67,000 people. Actually, it's it's grown 15% since we've moved here. Do you know that? Yeah, it's nuts, That's, it's unbelievable. So the greater metro area has 115,000 people it's now. Unbelievable. We got here four years ago. It was, it was 100,000. So um, <clears throat> a lot of people have moved to Missoula, Montana. Anyway, um, 
Yeah, well, uh, you go two hours in any direction, and you can find these cabins you rent, like an Airbnb or, or, or whatever. And you can probably do that just about anywhere. You drive – if you're anywhere, you can find middle of nowhere Tennessee or middle of nowhere Arkansas or middle of nowhere Texas or California or wherever. And uh, last year, and we'll be doing this again this year, uh, Beck and I will rent a cabin in the middle of nowhere and just go out there for an extended weekend by ourselves and man, it is great. I mean, it's just so gorgeous. And so finding a place like that and doing it as a surprise, you can do it as a holiday gift. You can do it just because you want to get away. It's a great gift to give to each other that time together. Uh, what else, Ryan? What, what other gifts? I know we mentioned about 15 or 20 there. Yeah. Uh, hot springs. That's a, a big mm. one for me mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. Uh, Becca has done given me that gift a lot lately. We went up to Symes recently, Hot Springs, Montana. It's the name of the town. And uh, that was really cool. There's more lithium in the water there than anywhere else, apparently. <laughs> I was why I drink gallons of it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it smells a lot like sulfur, but it, f- it feels great. And so she uh, she took me up there a couple weekends ago. That w- that was really good. Also, uh, donations in someone else's name is really important. Uh, yeah, uh, great gift to give someone who has everything. Don't pull so a George Costanza. I don't and oh, donate to the human fund oh, yeah, for yeah, yeah. any Seinfeld. I wish I'd, I never watched Seinfeld. There. But uh, no, I, I think uh, I was busy watching Martin and In Living Color growing up. <laughs> Martin, <laughs> Martin. Anyway, uh, no, I, I remember growing up. Uh, some friends who their uh, parents basically like got them a family vacation. So like for Christmas, um, you know, it was like my friend and their siblings and their mom and dad, and they went to you know somewhere nice and warm and sunny. For Christmas, and there were no gifts exchanged. It was just the the uh, vacation experience, the holiday uh, experience. I'm, I'm using holiday uh, for our European listeners and anyone outside of the United States who uses holiday instead of vacation. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, but anyway, they'll they'll take a. a I think they'll know what vacation means. <laughs> If they're in Ireland, they're not like. I am so sorry if I've offended anyone. They're not reaching for the dictionary. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, no, I thought that was a really uh, good idea. Um, in fact, I was really jealous uh, one year, you know, my friend, I think he went to Florida or something, but, like, I'd never been to Florida before. I'm like, wow, they're going to Florida for Christmas. That is so awesome. Yeah. Yeah, we uh, we actually don't have Ella this year um, for Christmas. She's with, with her father um, at Christmas time, but we are going to take her to Florida at some point. Oh, cool! Just because she's never she's never been to the ocean or the beach before. Oh, wow! And she spends so much time outside. Her oh, dad, dude, she's gonna have a blast. Yeah, her dad's like big into so out, outdoor fishing and fly fishing and 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 you know just being outdoors in general. So she spends a lot of time outside, but she's never spent time like at a beach or at the ocean. So she'll have a blast there. And uh, again, that's a gift that I could uh, be able to give that I don't have to wait till the holidays to to necessarily give that. Last thing I'll say besides donations, which we'll talk about more in a bit, is uh, you could, two, two other things you can give. You can give something handcrafted, which I find is just a beautiful way to do it. If you're, if you're good with your hands and you can make stuff, you know, I think of our friend Joshua Weaver who runs the coffee shop with us. I mean, my God, he makes, he's made all the furniture there, and he can do some really amazing yeah, stuff. Yeah, he's a handy guy. So if you have that ability, make something handcrafted, or maybe it's just handcrafted as in writing something for someone. That is, that, that is often very meaningful. I got Becca a card yesterday and just put it on her pillow, um, and so, you know, she didn't even realize I, I had gotten it for, her. but, um, just stuff like that, these little non-obligatory gifts. And the last thing you can get, and Heather, I'm going to give you one, is a copy of Minimalism on DVD. 
<laughs> I was I was looking at Ryan. He's like staring at his computer right now. Good um, grief! Uh, uh, no. Um, uh, so, by the way, if you have written a book or made a documentary, giving your books and documentary away to people as gifts is the worst gift you. Can what give are you people. talking about? I just I've, I've bought hundreds of our books. Here's, to give an, away as gifts. here's an autographed copy of my book. You're welcome. Actually, you know what's funny? Uh, Becca did that last year for Christmas. She got all her family one of our books. No way. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But she, like, didn't even tell me. Like, I would have given her those. She just, like, went on the Amazon or wherever and bought, bought the copies of the books and gave them to to all of her family. And so I'm at Christmas, and they're all opening copies of my books. Oh, and, my and I just, like, stand up. I'm like, look, wait. I want to tell you all that this is not from me. I'm not giving you... <laughs> A copy of my book. I would have just given you a yeah. – but, uh, Heather, I, know, I do want to thank you for, for your question, and we'll give you a copy of Minimalism, either the, the digital uh, uh, version, or it is now out on DVD as well on Amazon. So uh, it makes a good stocking stuffer only if it's a used version of our DVD. I'm not encouraging anyone to go out and buy our DVD as a stocking stuffer unless you've already watched it yourself. And then, of course, I think the best thing to do is get rid of it minimize the DVD when you're done with it. Uh, although, of course, we'd prefer you watch it online if, if possible. But if you watch it the old school way, then, uh, you know, if you're, if you're old school with that that DVD player, I guess that's old school now, right? Uh, uh, my, it's, I think Ryan's so. still watching Laserdiscs with Mariah. <laughs> Dude, there's nothing better than Laserdiscs. It's you're, the best quality. You're so retro. <laughs> All right, our next question is from... Paul in Portland, Oregon as well. Man, well, Port- yeah, Portland's got a... Portland represent? Yeah. All right, Paul, what do you got to say? I have a number of items that were either purchased for me or gifted to me uh, by parents and other relatives to help me out as I was getting established early in my life. Um, however, I no longer have a purpose for many of these things. Uh, a couple examples would be like a 9 by 12 area rug or some antique furniture, and I'm currently spending around $55 a month to store these items. Uh, However, when I mention the idea of letting these things go, I get a lot of resistance and pressure to hold on to them by the people uh, who originally gave these things to me. So what advice do you have for overcoming this barrier? Paul, these are are your things, right? Like they're not other people's things. Did you just call me Paul? (laughs) (laughs) No, I guess what Paul's talking about is letting go of – Gifts, but I think that's a great perspective, Ryan. You, you're talking about once once you've given something, it's no longer theirs. Yeah, like if I give you something, it's I don't still own a portion of it. Right, like I, I, even if unless it's my soul. Yeah, no, I I do understand though the guilt behind it of someone went out of their way, especially let's say you know it's someone who gave you you know an item who you know you know. Uh, spent like you know every penny they had on it to to get you that item and mm-hmm. you know you want to appreciate the gesture and maybe it was something you really needed at the time i mean, i do understand the the guilt associated with it what i would say is and i and i've recommended this to mentoring clients and i've had um them do it uh go to your family and just simply say to them like hey i don't need this item anymore that you gave me however many years ago is it something you need? Is it something that you could use? And, and also uh, explain that it's costing me money. I mean, that's what you're talking about, st- storing the thing. Yeah, almost 700 bucks a year. This, uh, the, uh, I mean, it's that he's spending on storage. It's crazy. Wow. It, that is, um, 
Uh, I'll just say this, that if I gave Josh some items and I knew that he was spending $700 a year storing those items, um, I would go to him and be like, dude, if you don't need those, get rid of them. Yeah, you're talking about reframing it, basically, as opposed to saying this is – it's not only not adding value to his life. It's draining literal value, the monetary value from his life. Now, you don't have to approach it that same way. There's there's you know, There are many nice ways to, to approach it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, to go, I guess, to the extreme, uh-huh. I, I, I'm not recommending people do this, but, I mean, essentially – if I gave you, uh, you know, uh, some items that you were storing, and then I, you brought up the fact that hey, um, I don't need these anymore. I'm going to get rid of them. And then I say, uh, in Paul's case, he's got friends and family who are saying um, that's really going to hurt my feelings if you get rid of that. Then your response could be, all right, well, I'm going to need some money each month <laughs> to store <laughs> these items. I'm not Paul. I'm not saying to do that, dude. Like, don't go and ask your family for money. But I mean, just to show the absurdity. Of, of of hanging on to gifts because people are because other people are making you feel guilty because of their you, about their expectations right yeah and you know I uh, I'll just you know tell I'll tell you Paul um, if you haven't heard about uh, the story of my mom when she first uh, like found her website and stuff gifts was a very big deal to her like that was like the one item the one thing that she was like you know I don't know what the heck you're doing with this minimalist stuff but. But um, I'm still going to get you gifts because I'm your mom. And uh, that's when I, you know, stood my ground. And I said, well, I'm going to have to give away your gifts if I can't use them. Find someone else that can eat them or give them to a charity or whatever. That's not the thing to say uh, to your mother. <laughs> um, but, but it did start some good conversation. When I said conversation, we were kind of arguing back and forth. Sometimes you know, the conversations start that way. They can, they can. Hopefully, they don't ever get to the arguments. But that happens. Yeah, yeah. But but you know, I mean, I was able to kind of rein it in um, with just you know asking my mom a couple questions. And the first question I asked her was, uh, "Do you love me? I love you." She's like, "Yeah, of course I love you." And the next question I asked her was, "Do you want me to be happy? I want you to be happy." Right. And she's like, "Yeah, of course I want you to be happy." Reframing it. Yeah, and I'm like, "Well, if that's the case." then I need you to support me. I don't need you to have a packing party. I don't need you to become a minimalist yourself. I'm not going to judge the things that you have in your home. Um, but yeah, when it comes to bringing things into my life, I want to be deliberate with that, and I need your support. Mm. And Paul, if your friends and family, if they truly love you, and if they truly want you to be happy, then they will understand. But like I said, like if, if you've got you know some Fabergé egg that, uh, you know, some kind of expensive gift that someone gave you, you can totally ask them if they want it back. I, like I said, I've, I've uh, recommended this to mentoring clients. And some people actually say yes. Actually, you know what? I do want to hold on to that. Mm-hmm. And the irony is that um, I've seen it where they take the gifts back just simply to hold on to them. Mm-hmm. Because they don't want to – well, they're holding on to it just in case, right? Like they don't right. want to give it to someone else because it costs too much. Right. And so they're holding on to it just in case, mm-hmm. um, which you know, I would argue is, is kind of selfish because there's someone else out there who could totally get value out of that item. Yeah. You could actually put that to use, add value to someone else's life instead of just clinging on to it uh, because you, know, you put this ding in your credit card or um, you know, because it's a, it's a fancy item or whatever. If it's something – 
but but you know that's not for Paul to to judge whether or not his if they take the items back right. But, but if they're actually going to use it. But, but what he can judge is whether or not it's truly adding value to his life. Absolutely. So, so Paul, you have to ask yourself. Does this thing serve a purpose or bring me joy? And there are a few ways to look at that sort of objectively. You, you can say, yes, it serves a purpose because it's useful. It's a, a tool in my life or it brings me joy in some way. Clearly, most of these gifts from the way you've described it don't. But the other way you can look at it objectively is, have I used this in the last 90 days? Am I going to use it in the next 90 days? We call that the 90-90 rule. And also, can I replace this if I actually did need to replace it? We call that the 20-20 rule. We also have something called the 10-10 material possessions rule. We'll put all three of those rules in the show notes for you. But, but these rules will help you objectively look at, at the things that you have, these possessions, these gifts you've been given, and, and assess whether or not they add value to your life. And like Ryan said, just because it doesn't add value to your life doesn't mean it can't add value to someone else's. And so by you letting go, it allows you to contribute to the world around you. And if you reframe it that way when you're explaining it with people, not only will these conversations be difficult to have at first, like the, your, the conversation with your mom was obviously not easy at first, mm-hmm. but it, what it does is it strengthens your relationship. And I think that's what's really important is by having these more difficult conversations, we're, we're recalibrating our expectations and we are able to strengthen our relationships in the, the long run because we've tested the limits of, of those relationships in a way. Um, Paul, I want to give you a copy. So thank you for, for, our, for, your, for your call. I want to give you a copy of our book, Minimalism, Live a Meaningful Life, because there is an entire chapter about strengthening relationships. And, and part of that is obviously it has to do with gift giving and expectations, but it goes way beyond that as well. So Ryan and I wrote that book. It's our first book about the, the five higher order values that we identified of living a more meaningful life. And one of those values is relate relationships and strengthening and changing the relationships that we have. So we'll give that to you in print or ebook or, of course, uh, the audiobook version as well. Maybe we should edit that book and make one of our values gift giving. <laughs> <laughs> all, right, all right. Yeah, I'll write that idea down. Yeah. Um, anyway, our next question is from Sarah in Washington, D.C. How do you deal with family who don't understand minimalism? Um, or don't really understand the concept behind it, why I choose to not acquire more things, or um, also do you have any advice on me trying to go a more minimalistic route so that I can travel more often? That often means that um, I don't really give a lot of birthday gifts or a lot of extra things that I feel that people don't need. Another thing is, like, bringing back souvenirs from trips. People expect me to bring back a whole bunch of souvenirs. Um, And I I don't really feel like that adds value to anyone's life. A keychain is not going to add a whole bunch of value. Um, So how do you deal with that? Um, And, I mean, telling them beforehand that I really don't want to bring back a whole bunch of things, uh, do you think that's a good way to go? So, Sarah, let me reframe your two questions here because it seems like you have at least two questions, maybe three. Let, let, me, let me just adjust what you have to say and, and try to, to give you answers to that. First, the first question you have is, how do I explain minimalism to others who may not be familiar with minimalism? And the second question is, well, how do I get out of giving gifts? 
to people once I've explained minimalism to them, right? So, so that's how I'm going to reframe your questions here. Uh, the first thing is, how do I explain minimalism to others? Well, you hear that word minimalism, or most people hear it if they're not familiar with it. Either A, they think about architecture or art or literature or something, or if they, they think of minimalism as a lifestyle, they think about asceticism or being a monk or, or um, stoicism. They, they think about stark white walls. They think of radical lifestyle, basically. And what you're saying is, how can I show them that minimalism is not a radical lifestyle? How can I show them that it's a practical lifestyle? And, and so I have a few recommendations for you. One of the best things that you can do in, in a bite-sized chunk is show them either one of our TEDx talks. So a couple of years ago, back in 2014, Ryan did a TEDx talk, and I handled all the theatrics and moving boxes around the stage. And about 2 million people have found a lot of value in that. And the reason so many people have found value in it is they share it with other people as an introduction into minimalism. Ryan's TEDx talk was called A Rich Life with Less Stuff. And uh, I did a TEDx talk this year with Ryan doing the, the theatrics. So it was sort of the obverse. And that just came out a couple months ago. A quarter of a million people have watched it already. And it is called The Art of Letting Go. And it goes through my story of, of letting go. And so whatever one you find the most value in, you can go find both of those on our YouTube channel. It's just uh, YouTube.com slash The Minimalist. If you find value in one of those, that is a great introduction toward minimalism to show people, oh, wow, look, it's normal people who are deciding to deliberately live with less stuff. It's not radical. It is, in fact, practical. If you want to, them to dive a little bit deeper, I think the best place to start if someone's really interested is a book that we wrote a few years ago called Everything That Remains. It's a memoir about the last five years of our lives from these suit-and-tie corporate guys to minimalists. So, Sarah, I would love to send you a copy of, of that book. Um, I'll give you a, a physical copy of that book. That way you can re-gift it once you're, you're done with it if you haven't checked it out. Or you could even send someone to our, our documentary, which um, you, know, you can stream online on iTunes or Amazon or Vimeo or Google Play or wherever. And again, that's a bunch of different recipes for minimalism. And it shows people like Leo Babalta, who has six kids and lives in the city uh, and has a minimalist family, right? He and his wife, Eva, or Joshua and Kim Becker, who live in the suburbs, and they're a different kind of minimalist. Or you have minimalist entrepreneurs like Colin Wright, or you have neuropsychologists and journalists and all these different perspectives. Uh, and some of these people wouldn't necessarily call themselves minimalists, but they use the same principles, uh, living a more deliberate life to, to shed the excess so they can focus on what's truly important. And so I think those are some good places to, to start showing other people. Now, to address your second question, how do I get out of giving gifts? I don't think you do. I would just say give better gifts, right? Throughout this whole episode, we've talked about how to improve gifts, really, as opposed to just eschewing them altogether, but gifting experiences uh, with someone else, G giving something handcrafted. So, Ryan, I know when you travel, uh, you often, we were on tour for 10 months in, in 2014. Every city we went to, we went to 100 uh, different cities in eight different countries. Every city we went to, you got Mariah a postcard. Hmm. That's a handcrafted gift, uh, as far as I'm concerned. And so giving better gifts, yeah, tchotchkes and keychains and that kind of stuff, a lot of people aren't going to find a bunch of value in that, right? But but there are ways for you to give a better gift, whether it's an experience, a consumable, a handcrafted thing that someone is going to get value from. Yeah, um, I think one of her questions, too, was how to travel using minimalism. Mm -hmm. 
Um, <clears throat> you know, the first thing I thought of when I heard her ask that was couch surfing. Like that is probably like the cheapest way to find lodging when you're traveling. Now, couch surfing, for those who haven't heard of it, basically it's a community of people who offer an extra room, a couch, maybe they got a guest house, or maybe it's just a cot in their living room. Um, but, but, uh, you know, it, it ranges, um, widely on the types of places to stay, but the community is pretty consistent with people who travel. They love to host people. Um, they love to be hosted. Um, you can't just like go on there like today and find somewhere to stay. You kind of have to, um, you know, introduce yourself and, and get you to, to know become some... a member of that community, right? You have to become a member of the community and, uh, to, to at least, you know, let people know that you're, you know, not some crazy person who's just trying to take advantage of free stays. Um, but, but it's a, it's a great way to save money. And then the other thing I thought of too was, uh, Matt Kepnez, uh, his otherwise, I think on Twitter, he's a nomadic Matt, but he has a book. Um, I think he just, uh, put out a new edition not too long ago. Sometime this year, I'm pretty sure he put out a new edition. Yeah. Um, it's called how to travel the world on $50 a day. And, um, I'll even like one up that with another article that he wrote, I actually saw today on, on Twitter, um, it was, uh, basically this family of four and it was this whole write up on how they traveled on 130 bucks a day. Mm. So, I mean, it's definitely possible and there are some tricks and tips, um, definitely in that book, uh, how to, how to travel the world on $50 a day. I would highly recommend that. We'll, we'll make sure, uh, Sean puts that in the show notes. Hey, Sean, can you actually uh, buy Sarah a copy of that? Just we'll use our, our own, our own money to, to get her a copy. Um, we'll send that to her with, with a copy of everything that remains. But, yeah, I, I agree. If, if you're looking for an affordable way, couch surfing, being part of that community, it opens up so many other experiences from everything that I've heard as well. We've stayed with a lot of couch surfing families uh, while on tour. Uh, and what, what we've learned from a lot of them is that these shared experiences, it's, it's this cultural exchange that people are really looking for. So the hosts of couch surfers, you know, there's sort of the, the, the dual community. You have the host community, then you have this community of people who are also couch surfing. And sometimes people go back and forth between the two, the two but you get this cultural exchange that you wouldn't uh, by staying at a Hampton Inn or something. Yeah. And, you remember and, when the, all the couch surfers so, showed up at our Orlando event, like back in 2000 and... It was our second ever event. 2011? 2011, yeah. yeah. And we had an entire group of couch surfers show up, uh, and then most of them were hosts yeah. of, of other couch surfers. And it was an awesome group. It really was. Yeah. I mean, just great, great people. Professors. I mean, people you wouldn't think of, like, but they're professors from local university and businessmen and, and women and, and just different people who are willing to have that exchange of culture. And they would host people from other countries and, and host people from you know, different states or wherever and show them you know, an experience. And so sort of a, a different kind of gift. They're gifting their time, their, their knowledge, their experience, and creating an experience for someone else. Yeah. Our next question is from Scott in Milwaukee. What's the difference between a thoughtful gift and asking somebody what they want for Christmas? Is there a difference, Josh, between a thoughtful gift and asking someone what they want? I don't know if there's necessarily a difference. Here's, here's what I think. I think a thoughtful gift often starts by, by understanding what someone wants or what someone needs. And to do that, I think sometimes the easiest way is, is to ask. So, Which is kind of thoughtful on its own, right? Instead of like going out and buying the obligatory tie or pair of cufflinks, you go to someone and you're like, hey, I want to make sure that I'm giving you something intentional. Right. Do you need anything? Right, right. And, and so... 
I mean, and we have to use that word need loosely, obviously, right? Because we all need shelter and, and food and, and clothing. But Or do you need anything you don't have, I guess? Right. Yeah. Or, or do you have – is there anything that would add value to your life is, is a way to, to rephrase that perhaps. Yeah. And, and, yeah, I think basically that a thoughtful gift starts by understanding the other person. And, and when we give gifts out of obligation, one of the things we often don't do is try to understand what they actually want or need or what will add value to their life. And, and so instead we're, we're just thinking about – What's the shiny thing I'm supposed to get this season to appease th- them on, on this holiday? And so, Scott, yes, if you understand the person that you're trying to give the gift to, whether it's on Christmas or Valentine's Day or just you know, November 7th, you know, whatever the day is, the best way to be thoughtful is to try to get an understanding uh, of, of who that person is. I'll tell you the worst like shopping experiences I have had. This is made me, uh, this question made me think of it. Um, so let's say I'm like, I'm getting a gift for you and I don't go and ask you, Hey, is there anything you need? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sitting there trying to rack my brain. Okay. What does Josh need? Right. I can't think of anything. So then, then what I would do is I would go to like the mall or I'd, you know, whatever, whatever store, Right. And I'm like looking around for inspiration. <laughs> <laughs> Inspired shopping. God. Dude. Like, oh, my goodness. Thinking about that, it just sounds miserable, man. Because, you know, let's say that, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for inspiration. And then I find this widget. Like, oh, wow, this is going to help. Like, it's a Swiss Army knife that has a paper shredder on it. Oh, I know Josh likes to shred papers. Yeah. Okay, like, oh, this will probably be a good gift. Like, wow, it's it's kind of unthoughtful to do it that way, right? It really is, man. It, it, the intention is good, of course, but but you're right. The, the, it is it is the opposite of being being thoughtful uh, because we're not we're, we're start. It's backwards. It's a backwards process. I need to give you a gift, so let's try to wedge this into your life, as opposed to there's something that would really add value to your life. How can I? fill that need, fulfill that need. Yeah. And I think that's the best way. Not to... creating a need. No, you, we, we, that's, that's the opposite of what we want to do. We don't want to create a need. We, we want to fulfill a need so the, the person can augment their, their experience of life. All right, everyone, we'd love to hear what you have to say. So if you have a comment about gift giving, including minimalism tips for how you personally handle gift giving, then leave us a voicemail. 406-219-7839. We'll air our favorite comments and tips on the next episode. And here's a tip for you. Write down your message before you call in. It will help you articulate uh, your point, and it will increase the chance of being on the podcast. All right. Josh, you know what time it is. It is time to move on to our hashtag Ask the Minimalists lightning round. This is where we answer questions from social media. We're on uh, Twitter and Instagram at The Minimalists and Facebook.com slash The Minimalists. Uh, during the lightning round, Ryan and I do our best to answer each question with just a short, shareable, less than 140-character response. We'll also put the text to these minimal maxims in the show notes so you can copy and share our pithy answers on social media if you'd like. Our first question is from Benji. How do you deal with family members who are upset? Uh, upset? Mm-hmm. How do you deal with family members who are upset about gift limits for your children? I'm tired of stepping on toys. Mm. Benji, try to compromise. Can you ask your family to give consumables 
or experiences. You know, regardless, though, people's emotions don't dictate mine. I think that's beautiful, man. Yeah, not letting other people being upset uh, bleeding into your own uh, uh, desire or need to be upset so we can we can fulfill some weird certainty thing. Uh, my, my short uh, pithy answer would be, don't set expectations without first attempting to understand why someone is upset. So, so maybe trying to understand the person, Benji, is a way for you to change those expectations. And I'll, I'll deviate just for a moment from the lightning round, Ryan, and just let you know. Um, so with Ella, she's three years old. I find the, the, the gifts that she enjoys most are ephemeral gifts. Uh, balloons are her favorite thing in the world. I brought a bag of balloons over the, like it was already full. I brought a bag of balloons home the other day and it like was just this huge, like not a trash bag, but it was like this du- huge duffel bag. Which, <laughs> Did you, was, Josh's arms right now are literally like spread. I'm picturing this like six foot long duffel bag. There had balloons. to be, there had to be 20 balloons in it. And, um, and she just freaks out. She loves it, but she also knows that they pop and they mm. go away. And she, it's, it's teaching her to really enjoy the balloons while they're there. And so if you're going to set those expectations with, with them, Benji, uh, let's try to understand why they're upset first. And maybe you can adjust the expectations. There's some kind of like much. beautiful metaphor there. Like a Zen. Like Cohen a Zen. Yeah, like, like you're teaching her how to enjoy the moment at a very young age because as you get older, you know, it's harder to enjoy the moment and it's harder to, uh, or not, I don't want to say it's harder, but when the unexpected happens, uh, you know, it kind of helps. I don't know. There, there's some kind of, there's some kind of like Zen maxim there, man. Yeah, there, there, there is. I mean, basically it's, it's enjoy it while it's here. Cause she, she's learned over time. It's going to pop. And, and mm-hmm. so she's learning a bunch of stuff. Like she learns to take more care uh, of them. Cause at first when I, I got her, her first balloon, she popped it within 10 seconds <laughs> and freaked out, started crying. I could totally see Ella doing it. And she still freaks out a little bit. She said, don't be gentle. Throw it gently. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. That's great. Uh, uh, I, I stick to my answer, Benji. Don't set expectations without first attempting to understand why someone is upset. All right, our next question is from Jess. Dad gifts. Every year, I have such a hard time choosing something for him, or any guy, for that matter. Give him an experience. How about preparing his favorite meal? Remember, too, you're never too old to gift a handmade card. Uh, yeah, I, I think my, my response here, uh, just to echo you know, what we've talked about throughout this, is most dads I know, including myself, prefer presents over presents. After all, presence is the best present. And so I'd much rather have that than, you know, whatever, a necktie, a pair of cufflinks, a shoehorn. Yeah, I, I don't know. You, there, I'm the guy that you pretty much can't get anything for. And, and so accept an experience. You can give me your time. And so that, that's really where I'd go, Jess. Uh, find a way to gift an experience. I agree with Ryan. This... Last question is from Fancy. Ooh, sounds fancy. (laughs) A lot of people donate in others' names as gifts. Any resources for finding and vetting charities? Well, I'll I'll just tell you my my favorite charities. Charity Water is my favorite charity. Another one is worldvision.org. 
who provides agriculture and animals to families in need. So those are like my two favorite charities that I like to give to. I can tell you where I donate every month. So this is this is less than 140 characters, Sean, so we can definitely have them tweet it. Uh, GiveWell.org provides evidence-based, thoroughly vetted analysis of the best charities to donate in your name or as a gift. So uh, if you go to GiveWell.org, they give you their top four charities that are thoroughly vetted. And we talk about, about the best use of your money. Uh, these places, you can truly save someone's life by by donating to these charities. And then they have a list of, of sort of secondary charities as well. Again, they've all been vetted. And so every month I go in and, and donate to at least their top four charities and usually some additional ones as well. So uh, and often you, you and through that website, you can also gift that donation in someone else's name. And you can stay abreast of where your money is going, which is really nice. Okay, now it's time for our added value portion of the show, where we each recommend something that has added value to our lives recently. Well, I'm finally over my cold, Ryan. Thank God. And um, Your voice I'm, sounds lovely today. Thank you. It's it's not it's not 100, percent but um, you know I I'm really looking forward to getting back to going to saunas regularly. You know, I go to saunas uh, four or five times a week. So uh, my recommendation is. Find a sauna in, in your local area and just try it out for a week and see how it changes your mood. And, and uh, the research shows, and we'll link to Rhonda Patrick's video on, on this. Uh, so the, the detailed re- research sho- shows that you can uh, radically improve your mood, but also improve your, your s- certain hormones like human g- growth hormone and also detoxify your body. I mean, there are only what, three or four ways that we get rid of toxins, you know, through our breath or through urine or stool or through sweat, right? And we often forget how, uh, we forget to sweat. I mean, it sounds crazy, but I remember the first time I went earlier this year, the beginning of this year, and the stuff that was coming out of my pores, my skin, I feel like a different person in terms of my my skin. Wow. And, And I've had a lot of people who have, you know, comment, how do you get your skin? It looks so good. What soaps or whatever you using? No, I just go to the sauna and I always take a cold shower afterwards. So I do, I do uh, 25 minutes of, of sauna time. And um, I can tell you that afterward, I take a five minute as cold as this, the shower will get icy cold shower. And I really learned this, Ryan. I was in, in Los Angeles earlier this year. I told you about this experience. I was at the, uh, the, they have a Russian bathhouse there called, I think it's called Voda Spa. And uh, it's like a Fairfax neighborhood there. It sounds and, awesome, man. Man, it is. So they have this sauna. It's really hot. It's 220 degrees Fahrenheit. And then you can go from that, uh, as long as you can tolerate it, into this plunge pool that is 30 degrees. It's salinated. So it's, I guess, technically below freezing. And and you can go back and forth, and the euphoria that you feel from going back and forth between sauna. Now the sauna we have here, it's only about 180 degrees, and um, and then you know I'll go to a cold shower, which is probably I don't know 50 degrees if I'm lucky, but you still get a lot of the same benefits, and there's a lot of science to back that up. So I would definitely recommend you try out a, a sauna. It has added immense value to my life uh, this year for sure. Awesome. I am without recommendation again today. I have not brought in any any new habits or uh, actually I take that you know I did buy this book called um Kick the Drink Easily. Uh-huh. It's by uh Jason Vale. Okay. Um 
it's just something that Mariah and I have been talking about, like completely giving up alcohol. We've like cut way back on it. Um, but yeah, it's so far it's a good book. I mean, that's about the only new thing I've brought into my life over the last week. All right. Well, we, we can move on then. We, we, we can move on to right here, right now. This is where we get to stop talking about ourselves and finally start talking about ourselves. Um, a b- bunch of things. I mentioned Ella earlier, and, and if you want to see my holiday shenanigans through the eyes of a three-year-old, Ella is on Twitter, Ryan. She's at Ella Sandwich. And uh, I, I was talking to her about this the other day. And basically, I just, I just tweet things she says throughout the day and occasionally pictures that uh, – but usually it's just, it's just words straight from Ella's mouth. And I, I told her – I said, Ella, you have 200 followers on Twitter. And she goes, <laughs> Josh, I don't believe you. <laughs> now, she has no idea what Twitter is or what a follower is. But you can you can follow my own sh- holiday shenanigans through the eyes of, of a three year old at Ella Sandwich. Uh, also, Ryan, you have a, a minimalist home tour of, of yours and Mariah's home. Uh, it's going up on the website this this weekend after recording this. But by the time this airs, it will already be on the website. You can find it at theminimalists.com/nicodemus, and I challenge you to spell Nicodemus. Um, hey, Josh. Yeah. What does what does in your mouth smell like? <laughs> Ryan's checking out the tweets right now. Um, yeah, she has. Uh, what happened to Josh's Wu Tang? That was a recent one. Do you know that some trees are little? <laughs> it's a fun Twitter account at Ella Sandwich. Uh, yeah, but if you want to peek inside Ryan's window, you can do that. Uh, uh, metaphorically or figuratively, I should say, uh, theminimalist.com slash Nicodemus. Find a home tour of his and Mariah's home, which is really a beautiful home. Also, uh, Ryan, good news this morning. Uh, a friend of ours just texted me a screenshot uh, this morning. Our book, Essential, uh, the new audiobook version that just came out on Audible, iTunes, and, and Amazon, it's number two on Audible right now. Get the heck out of here. I know. It's really shocking. Now, if you can't afford or to, to buy Like the, overall number two? Uh, yeah, all nonfiction essays, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, so cool. uh, didn't expect that at all. Uh, but we did put up a large chunk of that book for free. So if you can't buy the book for whatever reason right now, we're, we're not asking you to, to, to buy it. If you want to buy it, great. Uh, but if not, that's okay. There's a big free chunk. It's like an hour or something. Hour right? and 15 minutes yeah. read by the very talented narrator, Justin Mollick. Uh, You can find it on our SoundCloud page, our YouTube page, or our Facebook page under the videos there. Uh, You can also – we'll put a link to that in the show notes uh, as well. But it's number two on Audible, so I just want to say thank you to everyone who who has supported that. And hopefully you're getting a lot of value from that six-hour audio book. Also, uh, we're giving – speaking of gifts and gift giving, Ryan and I are giving everyone a gift on Christmas Day. I'm not going to tell you what it is yet, but if you sign up to our newsletter, our email newsletter at theminimalists.com, there's a box at the top that just says email newsletter. Put your email in there, and we'll never, ever send you spam because uh, that's gross. And speaking of the holidays but non-gift-giving holidays – We'd love to hear your questions you have about the holidays. We're going to do a separate holiday episode of The Minimalists Podcast that doesn't have to do with gift giving, but has to do with the, the actual holiday season. So if you have a question for us, then you can give us a call at the phone number that we leave at the end of, of the podcast. All right, finally, here are some voicemail comments and tips from our listeners. Hi, Joshua and Ryan. My name is Martha Martin, and I live in Pocatello, Idaho. You asked a question about gift giving. 
Um, and I would just encourage people to go out to the um, alternative gift markets or things like that in their community um, or just make a charitable donation um, to an organization that you think that gift giver would really love. Like, for instance, yesterday we had the alternative gift market here in Pocatello, and I made some contributions to, you know, like I bought a bike for somebody um, in a third-world country because for my daughter for Christmas. I made that donation in her name because she's actually – she lives in Missoula. But she's a cyclist, and she would absolutely love that a woman – and I think in Nigeria, we'll be able to get a bike just with a $39 donation. Hi, this is Cassandra calling from Champaign, Illinois. Um, I was calling in regards to gift giving for the upcoming holiday season and what to do with the little kids and not giving them a million toys and to teach them a way to give back. One thing that going to try to do this year is reduce the number of gifts that they get, but instead have them make a contribution to other kids around the world who don't have as much by, um, I don't know what the program is called, but you put um, necessities into a shoebox, so like a toothbrush, toothpaste, washcloth, a bar of soap, maybe like crayons and a coloring book, and then the kids can put it all in the shoebox, shoebox, wrap it up if they want, and then send that to other countries. Hey, this is Helen from Carlsbad, California. I just wanted to make a comment about the podcast about health. You guys were talking about uh, sleeping patterns and figuring out your own sleep schedule. And there was something that I accidentally figured out a couple of years ago when I had evenings to myself all alone in my house. I had a lot of windows in the house, and I would just be doing my own thing and get distracted. The sun would go down. The lights would dim, and suddenly it was 9 o'clock, and the house was practically pitch black except for maybe one light that was pretty dim in the corner. And I realized by that time that I was very tired and I was ready for bed. And I was curious because before I was sitting up till maybe 11 o'clock, midnight, and I looked up to see what what exactly this meant, and I learned that when we don't are not surrounded by artificial lighting and we go outside maybe and we're outside all day, our energy goes with the sun. So as the sun sets, our energy slowly declines and our body gets ready to rest for the night. And so for those who are having trouble with sleeping or trying to figure out their pattern or whatever it may be, I highly suggest doing that to keep all the lights off except for maybe one or two that are really necessary and see if that helps. See if as the sun goes down, their body gets ready to sleep, and they can have a good night's rest. All right, y'all. That's it for this episode. If you have a question for The Minimalists, give us a call, 406-219-7839. And if you leave here with just one message, we hope it's this. Love people and use things, because the opposite never works. Thanks for listening, y'all. We'll see you next time. Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it Every little thing that you gotta have 
Every little thing that you gotta have, you gotta reach for, and you gotta grab. Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it. So take your eyes away, or take. 